Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're looking at a section where Jesus is correcting the false views of his day coming from the religious leaders that were highly respected for their righteousness. And Jesus has said that the righteousness of anybody who's going to enter into the kingdom of heaven has to be greater than the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And he begins to show us how that is so, what, what needs to take place, and actually shows us what the law really was about, what was the actual meaning of the law. And he's going to introduce six subjects here. And we are looking at the first one, starting in verse 21. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. And then verse 23 and 24 we looked at last week. Therefore, which is then the application of verses 21 and 22, how do you cure unjustified anger? What do you do about it? Well, Jesus sets a priority for us here. That priority is, even before you worship God, go take care of the problem. Be reconciled to your brother. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath anything against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way first, first, utmost priority, first, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. So we're talking about the sixth commandment here under uh, verses 21 and 22. And then the situation is, if you're going to worship the Lord, you've got your gift in hand, you're about to put it on the altar, and God brings to your mind that you have a brother, general sense of the term, that has something against you, leave your gift there and go be reconciled to thy brother. Now, at first glance, when we look at this priority of reconciliation, we have to ask ourselves the question, why? Why was Jesus putting such an emphasis on being reconciled to your brother over that which the Jewish people held in very high esteem was the worship of God himself. And I took you to Philippians 1.27 last week, only let your conduct be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. This is, again, giving preeminence to this advice, places it by itself, and the only thing that matters is your manner of life being brought into harmony, into agreement with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have a whole sermon, an hour long, just on Philippians 1.27, that first phrase, where I go through what is the gospel all about. And I talk about forgiveness. I talk about love. I talk about unity. And these are the things that we are supposed to display in our lives to make the gospel according to Titus 2.10, attractive to other people. And so we need to bring our lives into agreement, into harmony with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why 
reconciliation is such a high priority for God's people, that is, we are then displaying to the world what the gospel is all about. The gospel is about reconciling, God reconciling man to himself through Jesus Christ. And hence, we should be seeking to be reconciled to other people because that is an, a display of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now we move into the second situation that Jesus brings forth as an application of verses 21 to 22, how to cure unjustified anger. Whereas verses 23 and 24 talk about the priority of reconciliation, verses 25 and 26 give us the urgency of reconciliation. The urgency. Agree with thine adversary, notice the word quickly, quickly, while thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out from there till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Now this kind of sounds strange to us, but let me explain the passage and show you the urgency of reconciliation. He says, agree with thine adversary. The word adversary here is usually used to talk about someone who's your opponent at law. It is a legal adversary. And in this case, verses 25 to 26, it is talking about somebody who holds a debt against us. Some sort of, think about it as a, in terms of a monetar monetary debt. But somebody who is holding a debt against us. And so the context makes it clear that we are talking about some debt that is owed, some debt that has not been paid, and it was common practice in those days to cast a person into prison, a person who did not pay the debt. Now the person here in verses 25 to 26 is the guilty one. In verses 23 and 24, we weren't quite sure which way to take it. But here in verses 25 to 26, Jesus is like pointing his finger out to the crowd and basically saying, you're the one who owes the debt. If this is true of you, then here's what you need to do. And so it's likely here that the person, the adversary, has started some legal proceedings against you. And he says, I want you to agree with your adversary. That word agree means make peace. Uh, be reconciled. Solve or settle the problem. Make friends. Agree to some sort of payment schedule, if you would. And you're to do it while you're on your way to the judge. Now, Roman law provided that the one to whom the debt was owed could bring the accused with him to the court to face the judge. Now, here's the thing. Once you were in the court, once you were before the judge, it was too late. Hence, the urgency. Agree with your adversary while you're on the way. Do something about it before you get there. 
So according to Roman law, the two could take care of it by themselves while they were on the way. And really, that's the point here. Take care of the problem before it's too late. And so the illustration is for the purpose of showing the urgency of the situation. In the above situation, it was the priority of it. Here it's the urgency of it. Make it good while there's still time to make it good and before it's too late. In other words, the time for getting rid of the offense that has caused a breach in the relationship is when? Now. Take care of it now. Otherwise, judgment will follow. Now, this passage of Scripture, you know, before I actually studied it, always kind of baffled me. I mean, here I owe this debt. They're going to cast me into prison, so I have no way of working off the debt. Doesn't seem to make sense, does it? But a person who failed to pay his debts was actually cast into what was called debtor's prison until the amount was paid. Now, the person in prison could not pay the debt. So often, family and friends would come to his aid because he couldn't pay off the debt. They would raise the money, get the money together or whatever it was, and many times it would take some time to get the needed funds to be able to pay off the debt. And so family and friends would come to this person's aid who was in prison. It would be good to have uh, uh, rich people as friends at this point so that you could get out of prison. And what Jesus is saying here is there's a likelihood that you will not get out till that last farthing has been paid. And so the urgency here is do it now, do it immediately, do it quickly when we know about the problem. And the reason to do it quickly is that severe and terrible consequences will follow if we do not. We are to do it without delay. We are to do it and make every effort at, remember, we're talking about reconciling with somebody. The debt here is the offense between the two people. We're to make every effort at reconciliation. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath showing again the urgency of taking care of that which was making you angry. Hebrews 12, verses 14 to 15, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one shall see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Now this verse is saying that if we allow a breach in a relationship to continue, it starts to go forth into what? Bitterness. And that bitterness is not just now between the two people among whom there is an offense, but it says that root of bitterness can spring up and cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. 
Folks, you know what that means. People start taking sides. People start tail-bearing and gossiping. And all of a sudden, when the offense was only between two people, now we've got two camps that are warring against one another. That's how church splits start. Romans 12, 19 to 21, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so there's a priority of reconciliation. And there's an urgency of reconciliation. The debts here that are involved in this situation are the personal offenses. And so the stress of the passage is on the urgency of the situation. You could be brought before the judge. And if you're brought before the judge, it's too late. So be reconciled immediately because otherwise judgment is looming. It's hanging over you at that point. So take advantage of the opportunity of reconciliation that presents itself while you're walking on the way with your adversary to the judge. A failure to do so, (coughs) excuse me, a failure to do so will mean that you will bear the full penalty of being unreconciled. You will live, I think I got this from John MacArthur, you will live in a prison of your own making and face the discipline of God. So if we have sinned against another, we should should resolve it. There's an urgency to this. Resolve it immediately before we face divine justice. Now, I want you to notice that in both of these situations, the priority of reconciliation and the urgency of reconciliation, the emphasis is on us taking the initiative. If it's brought to our mind, the emphasis on us taking the initiative to restore the relationship that are due to anger or name-calling We are to do something about it. We are to do something about it. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't take a look at verses 25 to 26 in a broader sense. And that sense is this. The plight of the sinner who is not reconciled to God and is brought to the judge for eternal damnation. Now, I'm not saying that that's what this passage is teaching, but I cannot help but think that here is a sinner on his way to the judge. He's living his life, and his life will end in death And in death after death, he will face the judge of all mankind. And if he has not made peace with his adversary before he died, he will face the eternal judgment of God. 
I'd like to key in on that word reconciliation and then draw some things from this situation that I think speak to that aspect of reconciliation to God through Christ. Take a look in your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 to 20. <clears throat> Actually, I'd like to start in verse 11 and go down to verse 20. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that you may have somewhat to answer them who glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be of sober man, it is for your cause. Verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they who live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And verse 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, meaning Paul and those who were preaching the gospel with him. We are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We beg you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. In other words, Paul is bringing forth in this passage the urgency of being reconciled to God. And that's what made me think of being reconciled to God and the sinner before it's too late, coming to Christ, coming to God through Christ and being reconciled to God. What is, what is reconciliation? If you read some of the dictionaries, Greek helps, whatever, to be reconciled to God means to change from enmity to friendship. From enmity to friendship. With regard to our relationship with God or the relationship between God and man, the use of this and any words connected, it, connected to it shows that primarily reconciliation is something that God does. God accomplishes reconciliation because it is God who exercises his grace towards sinful man and he does so on the basis, on the ground, on the foundation of the death of Christ, where Christ offered a propiti wow, this is a tough word, propitiatory sacrifice under the judgment due to sin. 
Both the verb and the noun are used in the passage that I read, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19. And so by reason of this, what I mean is by reason of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, men in their sinful condition, men in their alienation from God, can be reconciled to God, no longer an enemy, but becoming a friend of God. Their attitude has changed. They've received the provision that God has made, which is the death of Christ, on their behalf. And their sins can be cast away, remitted, and they can be justified in, the, in God's sight in Christ and through Christ. Well, that's a lot, isn't it? That's deep doctrine right there. And the reason that that passage, the situation that Jesus brings forth, reminds me of being reconciled to God is because here is a sinner who owes a debt to God. It's a debt that he can never pay. You ever hear the saying, I'd owe a debt to God I could not pay? Christ paid that debt that he did not owe? Something along those lines. But here's a sinner living his life, and he's on his way to the judge of all mankind. And he owes a debt, a debt he can never pay. And the urgency of reconciliation is, before you get to that day of your death, a day which you do not know, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And he's on his way to an unknown day, and the urgency of reconciliation is agreeing with God about this debt, this sin debt that you owe, this penalty that you owe. And God has provided a remedy for that if you'll come to him, if you'll ask him, if you'll agree with him that, number one, you are a sinner. Number two, that you did sin against an almighty, holy God and you broke his law. And number three, that the debt you owe is an eternal death in hell, which you can never pay. Agree that you broke his law. Agree that you are a sinner. Agree that the payment of Christ for your sin is adequate enough, fully adequate enough to remove the sin from the sinner. And repent of your sin. Come to God through Christ before you meet the judge. Because if you do not agree with your adversary while thou art in the way, and you find yourself in God's courtroom having to answer for your own sins, you will be cast into the prison of hell for all eternity. You kind of see why that reminds me of being reconciled to God. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to his cross. And because I agreed with mine adversary, I was at enmity with God. He took that sin and he nailed it to the cross of Christ forever. The urgency of reconciliation is not only between somebody that 
you have a problem with, the urgency of reconciliation also applies to your relationship with God. And Paul in 2 Corinthians says at the end, Be ye reconciled to God. We beseech you. We beg you. Do this. Why? Because it's going to one day be too late. Receive the payment that Christ made on your behalf. Agree with the one that you are at odds with, which is God himself. You know, it's interesting. God does the reconciling. And he provided the means of that reconciliation. We read it here. Christ. Christ. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. This is the word that we go out with. Be reconciled to God. Change your attitude. Agree with him about your sin and the judgment that is rightly yours if you do not turn to Christ. Agree before it's too late.